it's the source of the thing that gets me through the week. And it's the source of my ability to love, you know, my fiance or my family or my students. It's like, this is where I have to draw from, you know, and it kind of undergirds all of the relationships in my life, you know, and like the major decisions I make, like most of those decisions, like the biggest decisions have happened in front of the Eucharist. Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for IamHere.org. And I'm Father Mario Amori, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we welcome our guest, Max Cormier, to share his story. Welcome, Max. Hi, thanks. We're so glad to have you. Yeah, it's great to see you guys. Yeah. So, Max, tell us. What is your home parish here in Detroit? So, St. Aloysius. <laughs> yes. I love it. So good. How long have you been part of the community there? Uh, um, probably I started, so I went there for a daily mass um, around Christmas time during Advent. Um, and actually, I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Father JJ was actually <laughs> saying mass and... Uh, he was. He heard my confession, and um, I, at the time I was looking for a parish home. Uh-huh. Um, I'd kind of been shopping around and bouncing around, and um, so I started going to, to the cathedral for a while with Father JJ, and then um, I'm getting married here in a couple weeks, yes. a couple of days actually. So, um, oh my goodness, yeah, I know. And so I, I, we tried to get married at the cathedral, and just it wasn't going to work out. And so, you know, I felt you know that there were no coincidences here. So. Maybe I had to go back to the parish that kind of, you know, it uh, got me thinking about the cathedral in awesome. general. And so I went back to St. Aloysius and met Father Mario, and Amazing. we just love it. Yeah, we just are so happy there. Very uh, cool. Yeah. How many days until your wedding? Um, Like 10, 11, something like that. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. Coming up. Coming it's coming up. up, yeah. So, so exciting. So tell us a little bit about your background. So I was born and raised in Metro Detroit. Um, I went, I uh, moved to St. Louis for college. So I uh, did. I went to school at WashU in St. Louis, and then after school, I decided to become a teacher. So I moved to Milwaukee, where I went to Marquette and got my teaching uh, master's in teaching. Taught there for five years, and then through a teaching fellowship. And just wanting to be closer to my family, who's still in the Detroit area, uh, I moved back here, um, and now I teach in Detroit public schools um, for two years. And it's my seventh year teaching, um, and I also coach baseball. So I played baseball in college, and that's been a big kind of it's like a big thing. People know me as a baseball coach as well as a teacher. Max and Hannah were great assets to our uh, young adult uh, <laughs> softball team because Hannah wishes. I think Hannah was probably better. Than me. <laughs> But, That's awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. What do you teach? Uh, science. High awesome. school science, yeah. So I've taught all of the science. I've taught a couple of math classes too, but mostly science, yeah. Well, Max, thank you again so much for sharing your story with us at I Am Here. It's a really powerful testimony. I'm excited to dive in. Um, so just to kind of get some context, can you share a bit about what your faith looked like um, as like a, a young person, a teenager in high school? Um what was going on in your faith at that point? Yeah, so I, you know, it's so funny because I've been just constantly thinking back to my upbringing because I'm always, you know, trying to think about ways now retrospectively like, oh, that was God working, you know, in these subtle ways. Um, 
And I think, you know, growing up, I, w- I went to public school. Um, I went to catechism on Monday nights at Our Lady Queen of Martyrs. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, I just kind of was going through the motions. Like, I, we were, I was a super busy family. I was always, we were always, you know, doing stuff, playing a lot of sports and um, busy in that regard. And then kind of after eighth grade hit, it was just kind of, you're on your own, you know? Uh-huh. So, you know, go through confirmation in eighth grade and I've got received the sacraments. And then after that, it was just, you know, it was just me and my family going to mass. Um, I would say shortly thereafter, and I kind of touch on this in the story, probably 10th grade, 11th grade, I really um, just started to have doubts about God. I had a lot of um, questions about like the meaning of things and um I, I I just didn't really have answers and so I didn't really have an outlet I think to turn to um you know at school we were talking about sort of big ideas but never really in the context explicit context of faith and um given that I went to public school um and and so I I just kind of turned to YouTube. I was a big, I loved, like, I, lo- I still love reading, like, Wikipedia articles, and I watch, you know, way too much YouTube. <laughs> um, but I, I ended up in the rabbit hole of sort of the Richard Dawkins type, kind of Sam Harrisy, new atheist type movement. Um, and I just really identified with sort of them, the intellectual aspect. Um, and I, I just was, like, convinced, even though, you know, looking back now, a lot of their points you could easily poke holes in, but at the time I was in high school, I didn't know any better. So that was sort of, I kind of like latched onto that identity. Um, was there anything in particular about your Catholic faith that you had kind of questioned? No, I think it was just general agnosticism. Okay. It wasn't specific, like I was never like drawn to other, you know, like Protestantism or anything like that. I think it was, I, I mean, my understanding of what God was just you know, it was like an arrested development situation where like my, if you would have asked me when I was probably in the first grade to draw a picture of God, it would have looked very similar to when I was, you know, a 10th grader or an 11th grader, which, you know, for every other subject for reading and math, if you only are at a first grade level, you know, I would be considered illiterate at that point. So I think it just was a matter of, I didn't really, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm sure like, I'm sure I had catechism, like teachers who were trying to catechize me and I just wasn't, it just didn't hit or for whatever reason, but um, it was probably a me problem, but uh, it just, I, I think I just kind of was stuck in this vision of, oh, God is like Zeus and this is a myth and mm-hmm. all religions are the same basically. And there's, you know, I'm just this faith because I was born into this faith and, um, and I, and I just. I just wrapped in, uh, attached to all of those ideas. And, um, and in retrospect, a lot of the, when I was agnostic, a lot of the things that I felt were true, um, sort of big picture ideas of like, well, you should still be a good person. Even if nothing matters, you should still be a good person because it's what's best or, um, just like, you know, listening to like really good music or like looking at really good art, like something still was like, I, I remember having a conversation with my band teacher and I was like, why is this so much better than the songs that like I could make up a song and it could just be for me and it's terrible, but this is so good. And like, what's the difference? Like, why is there like, what is it just because everybody agrees that it's good or is there like some reason why this is moving to everybody? 
And he just kind of was like, I don't know. That's the question, right? And and uh, and and it just it, there was a lot of restlessness in me, and there was a lot of like questioning of just everything. I just, I mean, I, my mom and my dad will tell you that I argued all the time growing up, and I'm, you know, Hannah will tell you that I still do. But, <laughs> but I just, I wanted to to question everything, and I just wanted to get to the bottom of it. I wanted to understand why and. Um, I just didn't have the framework. I didn't have like the lenses to to see the the Catholic perspective. Even though a lot of what I was, what I felt, again retro retrospectively looking back, maybe was like had a lot of close points of contact with the Catholic perspective or what I understand it to be. Um, which I think, you know, when I had this sort of reversion experience, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point, but when I had this experience in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, it wasn't like my worldview had to shift all that much, but it was like the missing piece that made everything make sense, you know? And so that was really, that was really the big difference. It was like, I saw the world, I could see what was true and I just didn't have a name for it. I didn't have a reason why it was true. And then all of a sudden this, this understanding of why, you know, I, I'm seeing through new eyes and it's just like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this has been in front of me this whole time. How could I? Like I was so wrong <laughs> about. Well, you can see, you know, again, kind of retrospectively, seeing how God uses your your intellect, your all those questions to to kind of bring you to a point of 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 that moment yeah. to say, wow, this 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 is the missing piece. Yeah. Um, in our Catholic faith, you know, so often we we think um, erroneously that you know our our reason and our faith. Are just at odds with each other, right. but, but that's not that's not what we believe. It's not right. what the church teaches. That that um, our, our our reason, the the gift that God gives to us, can lead us to a point to make an ascent of faith. You know, it, it leads us to those proofs of God. Right. So let's go. I want to get into that experience that you had in college. Where were you at? Were you? Is this kind of the worldview you brought into college with you? Yeah. And, okay. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Um, when my parents were moving me in, I remember walking down by the dorms and every um, sort of student group mm-hmm. was set up, had a booth set up. And the, one of the student groups was the Catholic Student Center. And, you know, they were super nice and very <laughs> excited to see people and giving people hugs and candy. And, all that. and I remember my dad being like, hey, you should check them out and see what they're about. And I looked at him and I kind of rolled my eyes and I was like, no, that's not something that I'm into, Dad. Like, come on. Like, you know this. Uh-huh. And... Um, you know, the joke's on me, I guess. <laughs> like, uh, but so that was sort of certainly my worldview. I certainly was still carrying that agnostic atheist, really like angry atheist too. So what happened? What changed? Uh, well, I, I, well, it was all God. I mean, I didn't, that's the thing, like too, looking, you know, reflecting on my experiences, like I didn't do anything, you know, mm-hmm. this is just God's grace working through me, which has been like, I mean, it's been such a blessing and it's, something I don't always understand, but I'm just grateful. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like this overwhelming feeling of gratitude that um, that this happened, this experience happened to me. And um, In your story, you talk about just a profound encounter you had yeah. on retreat. So yeah. tell us, how, how did you even get to the point of going on a retreat? Yeah. <laughs> so I was, um, so my roommate, who I played baseball with, he's still one of my best friends. Uh, he, his older sister went to, Wash you, 
and had met, and she was really involved in the Catholic Student Center, and she had mentioned that, hey, you should check it out. The priests there are super great, and he's this really nice guy. And um, when I went, and so I just went to a mass with my friend, my roommate, because um, he wanted to go, and I was wanted to spend time with him because we were, you know, two peas in a pod at that point. And um, basically, to make a very long story short, I just really enjoyed the community. I really enjoyed just everybody was super welcoming. I mean, in college, like you're just searching for friends and community, and it was, um, and like affirmation, you know, you're just kind of scared about who you are and what you're doing so far away from home. And and I got all of that through the Catholic Student Center. Um, and also, I was enjoying the homilies. Like the homilies mm-hmm. were challenging and relevant, and I was kind of looking at them through like a secular lens, even though, you know, you know, that's because that's what I would do in that worldview I had, but. Um, they kept badgering us about going on this <laughs> retreat over like right before Thanksgiving break and like they kept badgering and, and we were playing baseball and we were in fall ball and it was super busy and I honestly think we were just so tired of baseball. I think we could like get out of a practice and we were like, <laughs> okay, like we'll go on this retreat. <laughs> but even up until the point like we had our like sleeping bags and like pillows and we're about to get on the bus, I looked at my roommate and I was like, we can still say no. Like we can still turn back right now. Oh my gosh. And there was like a baseball party that evening and we were like, we could go to this party instead. And I was like, we, this is our last chance to leave. And he was like, well, do you want to leave? I was like, no, I guess we, let's honor the commitment we made. But we literally, I mean, it was that close, like in line to get on the bus. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. And on the retreat and um, the retreat, I think modeled sort of like, it's it's like a French style, there's like a French name associated with this style of retreat. I think Kairos is a similar style of retreat, but this is whatever the college flavor of retreat (laughs) is. So the first night was, I mean, it's just talks and, you know, um, eating dinner and hanging out. And then, but the night ended with, um, there was confession before adoration. And in confession, I remember I like went in because I'm like, I'm here. I might as well go. Like, (laughs) so I walk into the confessional and there's a Jesuit priest. And I was just like, you know, I don't even know why I'm here. Is what I said to him. I'm like, I don't have a reason to be here. I just, I don't think I believe in any of this. And we, he just kind of guided me through. Kind of, we just talked. I mean, it wasn't really a. I don't even know if like there was absolution. Like we just really had a conversation. Um. And it was like it was really good. And, um, so, kind of that's the sort of appetizer then for adoration. Shortly thereafter, there's another talk. I think the talk's about prayer, and then we go into adoration. And I had never in, ever heard of adoration ever before. Wow. I was totally unaware of it. I had no idea. At this point, I'm not thinking even like, I'm certainly not thinking like theologically, like what's happening? Mm-hmm. Is this even Jesus? Like these things are not even in my mind at that moment. Um, but I'm just sitting on the floor, kind of a crowded room. I mean, really nothing special. It's like a multi-purpose room in a retreat center in <laughs> rural Illinois. Um, <laughs> and there's incense and it's very quiet. It's just reflective. And I just, you know, every it's kind of awkward at first, but then everybody else sort of fades away and it's just the lit up monstrous and it's just Jesus right there. And at that, and again, I'm not thinking like that, but in retrospect, and I'm just staring and there's a, some reflection happening in the background. Periodically, there's some music playing. And one of the reflections ended with just God is love and wherever there's love, there's God. And it was like, literally, you found the missing piece of the puzzle that you haven't been able to find. And it all just was like, like goosebumps, shivers, you know, water, like tearing up to my eyes, like everything all at once. And I'm like, oh my God, like, 
like this is like I'm having a really serious reaction and I'm and I'm not again I'm not even noticing other people in the room at the time it just literally feels like me and 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 the blessed sacrament and um and and I walked out of that room and I like grabbed my roommate and I'm like we need to talk like I like I think like that was did you experience that he's like what are you talking about you know he's <laughs> like and I was like I like like I think like this just made so much sense I'm just you know I'm excited and bouncing off the walls and and that's sort of the moment that I kind of like I kind of count in my faith like my timeline of my faith and my life like that was the sort of historical moment for me where I was like there's a before and an after you know and I know probably it's baptism but like like to me like it, as like a sort of like a big reversion or conversion moment in my heart and in my mind it was like okay this is real now what you know, and so that was sort of the beginning of what I would consider kind of my adult faith journey. Um, and in a lot of ways, the beginning of like where I am now even, um, although I do think everything that happened beforehand was like also quintessential, I just wasn't aware of it. You know, I think about all these little moments. Yeah, those little moments are important. It's so important. The, you know, I was just thinking as you were, as you were talking, you know, the, the moment of grace to step on the bus. Yeah. Well, even before that, the moment of grace just to, because you wanted to be with your friend, go yeah. to mass, you know, the moment of grace to step on the bus, the moment of grace to step into the confessional, to go, you know, to adoration. I mean, I'm sure you could have gone back to your room or yeah. gotten out of it someplace, but uh, yeah, it's, it's so important for us. So often we think about just all the, the major moments in our lives and those moments are super important, but just never taking for granted those those small ways in which the Lord works and kind of pushes us forward to bring us to that moment of of just conversion. Yeah, and it's one of those things where sometimes now I like, I get impatient still where I'm like, you know, like, God, I just want to be this way. Like, I just want, like, I just am struggling with this thing and I just want to be this way. And it's like, okay, I need to relax mm. <laughs> because like his timeline is not my timeline necessarily. and like he's gotten me to this point. And so what else is possible if I just am like open to his will and, you know, to all of the grace that's flowing out always. Yeah. But no, I totally agree about these like small little moments that have pushed me along, you know, <laughs> that I didn't realize at the time, but part and parcel to where I like to the whole story now. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so when, when you hit that big moment and had this missing puzzle piece finally bring everything together, what started to change in your life? What what practically started mm. to shift in in the way you lived, in the way you believed, and what you thought, and your worldview, all of that? Yeah, I mean, every I mean, really, is everything. Um, so, number one, I was going to mass regularly after that. So, like, I had not been, um, and then pretty much, I mean, every week I would, you know, there's a nine p.m. mass that I would go to usually. Um, and that happened, that was like really first. And, and then it was getting like increasingly involved in the Catholic Student Center there. And then like doors open for other things. So then I was going to the Tuesday mass and then I was going to the Tuesday and Friday mass. And so now I'm like going to mass three times a week. And then I was like, oh, some of you are going down to, to St. Louis University down the street on Thursday for Spanish mass. I'll go to that too. Like, <laughs> wow. like I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak a lick of Spanish, like, but here I am, you know? And it was just, and so that like, like for me, like the, like I remember just in conversation, I like the, like the part of the Trinity, Trinity that resonated with me the most initially was the Holy Spirit. Like that was kind of my access point, um, just in that time of my life. 
um, it just made sense kind of in the worldview I was having. And I feel tr- like, and again, looking back, like that was certainly the Holy Spirit, like, like in that moment, I, I feel. Um, and that's where I kind of, I lived in that for like the greater part of that year. And then like, as I sort of kind of continued through college and after college and my relationship to the other aspects of the Trinity started to like, like, oh, now I'm really connecting with Jesus. Oh, now I'm really like praying to God the Father. And it was just like all those things sort of changed for me, like in different parts. But practically speaking, I was going to mass a lot more and then also beginning to go to confession more, not as regularly as I should have, but going more. And eventually I became the president of the Catholic Student Union wow. at WashU. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. So that was a surprise for, <laughs> for me. High school me wouldn't have never wow. thought that would have been the case. Yeah. What was the response of your parents? Because I always remember when yeah. you were walking past the students with your dad, Yeah. you know, and he said, hey, you should check they, them I out. Think, I think they were really surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were really surprised. I mean, and then we'd go home and, you know, I'd want to go to mass, which again, was not something I was asking for when I was in high school or the summer going into high school. Um, and, and so I think like, I think they were really, really surprised. They didn't, I mean, I, we did, I don't, maybe we did talk about it, but I don't really remember too many conversations about it, but I think they were just happy that mm-hmm. I'd found community and they were happy, I think too, that it just like, clearly I, I think I was more alive. I was more, you know, I was nicer. I was jo- more joyful. Like. I just was really excited about it. And they were really like, the, like the, I mean, everybody was just so nice and happy. It was like such a good group of people. You know, not that my baseball team wasn't, like they were also really great guys too, but it was just, it was just this thing that was like, you know, I had a place on campus. So like, even on just like looking from a, not even a religious perspective, I think they were like, I'm happy that he has people, you know, looking out for him. Well, I can imagine too that they, you know, as parents, like keeping their excitement you know they don't yeah. want to, um, but to to see their the fruit of their prayers, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, just um, we try to point that out for other guests that we've spoken to. You know, um, especially parents with with their children, they so much want to pass on the faith, and so often, you know, for for whatever reason, that faith is rejected or it's not lived or it's it's not lived out until later in life. Um, and so just just never underestimating the power of a parent's prayers for yeah. their children. It's funny too, because I recently had a conversation with my sister about kind of the whole experience of me being really atheist in high school. And she was like, yeah, we were worried about, we oh, were wow. all worried about you. You were, you seemed really unhappy. <laughs> oh, like we were, we were talking about you get, when you were, when you were in high school, we were all really concerned, but oh. I had no idea, you know, or wow. I vividly, even this is a memory that I, I believe is real, but like maybe it's a false memory, but I really believe it's real. Where I remember in the car with my mom and I just had like disclosed to her that I don't believe in God at, at the time. And and she just kind of was quiet. She's like, and her, and it, I thought her answer was actually great, but she was just like, you know, it's good to believe in God. Like things are better when you believe in God. And it just like, at the time it was just like really simple and kind of, you know, I would have argued probably with any other response, but it kind of sat with, I mean, it's still, it's something I still remember, you know, and, um, yeah. And the, I mean, even scientific research yeah, says that, right. like, you know, when we were going through COVID, you know, those right. who had a faith life or belief in God, their just their own interior disposition and outlook and the way in which they coped was so much different than those who had no faith. Right. Um, because it's, it's the hope that God gives to us. Yeah. 
So kind of having had this dramatic reversion experience um, in college, all because of this encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist, can you talk a little bit about what the Eucharist means for you today in your in your life? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to even like articulate into words. You know, it's it's one of the which is why I love adoration because you just sit and you just look and you just stare and you just it's 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 that gaze upon mm-hmm. the Lord and he's gazing back and it's just like it's overwhelming even just thinking about it right now is like getting me worked up a little oh. bit because it's like it's 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 so overwhelming just that love like to me it's like where I feel the most like tangibly like like what it is like to be totally unconditionally loved in a way that is like you know incomprehensible but like that's the most tangible there in that moment um, for me and I still think like it drives like I, I've been really more aware too recently like this just this the way that God's been acting in my life and even in the past year just like in really profound ways um, and sometimes when things are like really hard like I'm really intentional about like Wednesday like going to adoration or going to a mass because it's like okay if I, can, I can't make it seven days but I can make it three days mm-hmm. you know and it's like or four days or whatever but um it really is like I know that we say it's the source and summit, but like it really, I mean, it really feels like the source. Like the source resonates with me a lot. Like mm-hmm. it's the source of the thing that gets me through the week, and it's the source of my ability to love, um, you know, my fiance or my family or my students. It's like this is where I have to draw from, you know, and it kind of undergirds all of the relationships in my life, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and like the major decisions I make, like. Most of those decisions, like the biggest decisions, have happened in front of the Eucharist. Wow. You know, so when I decided to teach, like mm-hmm. that happened, like I was at the Catholic Student Center, like when I finally was like, this is what I'm going to do. Because um, I had a, like a consulting job too lined up. I was like, no, I'm just going to go teach. And then deciding to propose to Hannah, I was at the um, Solanus Casey Center and I went to a mass there. And then I just was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like you gotta, <laughs> like you gotta propose, you know. So it was, yeah. So every big decision mm. has, has, you know, Jesus has been a part of, of course, but like tangibly, like f- physically present, you know, in the Eucharist. So where, uh, so seeing where you're at right now, experiencing this 180, you know, um, where or how, what, what would you say to your younger self so that? That college student walking on campus for the first time, you know, um, questioning, questioning God, questioning faith, or even just outright rejecting faith. What what would you say to your younger self or someone who's in a situation as you were? I think what the people like at the Catholic Student Center, for instance, like the invitations, the welcoming, you know, the like it didn't start with an argument about you know, is this real or not real? It started with like, hey, come and sit by the fire after mass and tell me about your schedule, you know, and tell me about your, you know, your family. And and like, and I know that's like a totally, like everybody talks about that, you know, when you're trying to like invite people to church, we talk about these things all the time, but like it works. It just like, it just works. And so that's probably, you know, what I would tell, what I would tell my older self, like I would try to befriend them. Yeah, you know, and just tell, tell the story that you told us. Yeah, you know, like that's the greatest, the greatest way that we evangelize is by sharing our story of how Christ 
kind of worked or has worked in our lives, again, through those small moments of grace and through those those moments where we just feel the Lord's presence in a profound way. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great story. Thank you so much, Max, again, yeah. for sharing it with us. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for, for thanks us. for platforming me, <laughs> giving Absolutely. me an opportunity to. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hello App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.